0: Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary, Fran, and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant.
1: Transform every week of yours with our brilliant that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living Brilliantly Resilient.
0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. We are with our new friend from across the pond today, Mildred Talabi. Mildred is an author and a, this is the part that gets me so excited, a LinkedIn expert and an influencer, and she knows all about that stuff, and anybody who knows anything about technology in those pla- that platform really excites me. So Mildred, thank you so much for joining us, Mildred Talabi.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. We are so, I am so
0: excited because, as Kristen will tell you, for the longest time, I called Twitter the tweeter because I, it's just lost on me, a lot of it. But LinkedIn has kind of become my focus, and I know it's yours because of the power of that platform with entrepreneurs and everything. But you didn't start out as this, and you had quite a personal sucker punch that kind of led you on this meandering path to get to this place.
2: So thanks for being here, and tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. So. Back when I was born, I know I look young, but honestly, back then, no one had kind of anything social media was not even an option, <laughs> you know, for a <laughs> career, you know, barely even had computers, you know, let alone all these other things. So my background is actually I trained as a journalist and I worked in the media for a while before I transitioned into PR, communications, but I always had a business on the side, you know, a side hustle, as as you call it. And I kind of did that alongside um, my entire career for well over a decade. And one of the longest side hustles I had was um, running a CV makeover business, which you guys call resumes. And, And later on, when LinkedIn really started to become a thing, I transitioned from doing just CVs to kind of helping people build their profiles on LinkedIn. But then after that, it went from just building their profile on LinkedIn to doing a lot more because there's so much more that you can do. On the platform you know and in terms of building your personal brand and being visible on there so um a few years ago three years ago in fact is when i kind of pivoted and started focusing wholly on linkedin coaching linkedin visibility coaching for women in business and leadership you know i was thinking i'm like so many
1: people including mary fran which she started to allude to don't want to dive into they don't even want to stick their toe in the water of social media they're afraid that they're going to you know, look dumb, or or I don't know what I'm talking about. And you just dove in and said, "I'm not only going to get to know it; I'm going to harness the power and teach everybody else." But then, as I'm hearing your background, I have to imagine in journalism, you've had a lot of experience with having to reset after a bunch of different things, and that's it. It can be hardcore in that in that profession. So I'm guessing that's where your your training ground to be able to to dive right in and, and get to know this platform and teach people. Where does that? Where does that come from? Like, how did you get involved in in journalism the first place? knowing that you go into that? I have a son. This is why I'm really asking about this. My my middle son wants to go into broadcast journalism. And I'm like, I mean, he's kind of a tough guy, but there's also a very sensitive side to him. And I'm a little Mm. nervous about him getting into that. What what was your what made you decide that that was part of your brilliance in your journey?
2: It's really funny you mentioned about your son being a tough guy, because I remember one of the early advice I had when I was like, OK, I'm going into journalism. And I was told that it's kind of a dog eat dog world. You have to be that like, tough. And I'm tough, but I'm not your traditional tough, <laughs> you know, as in like, it's like, you're too nice for journalism. In fact, it was it was kind of like the feedback that I got. But really what led me down this line is because when, well, since I was little, I was practically born with a pen in my hand, you know, and with words. I've always loved words. I mean, at the age of seven, I like had a published poetry collection, you know, so that my parents have somewhere but it's that I've always loved words but I never knew that I could make a living out of it and I'm Nigerian by background my parents are um, Nigerian so with Nigerian families it's got there's only a few professions that are respectable and accepted doctors lawyers engineers all of that kind of stuff so they had the path that my parents had in mind for me was becoming a lawyer And for a a minute or two, I sort of went alongside it until I realised that, you know what, I don't want to spend my whole life studying because you practically study a lot. As a teenager, it felt like my whole life that I would spend studying as a lawyer. And then I kind of reconnected with my first love. One thing that I always loved to do that I still love to do was writing. And that's what led me to thinking, what can I do with writing that would pay me, that would be a, a skill and a profession? And that's how journalism came into the mix. So... It was like for my parents, it was like, oh my God, you can't do this stuff. No one does journalism. That's not one of the four options, you know? (laughs) So I had to cover a whole new path for myself in that field. And um, yeah, it's been great, but through those skills, I've been able to, to transition into other things as well along the way. You really hit on something that is near and dear to us, and it is that idea of transferable
0: skills and you know everybody doesn't know their brilliance right right away they know that they they like to do certain things and and certain things kind of speak to them but we really have found that it's when you take those transferable skills and you put them towards your passion that that's when things really start start to blossom so i'm really glad to hear you talk about that piece of it cuz it's it's so important in building resilience to be mm-hmm. able to rely on those things and then and then to find your brilliance but you actually had a, a personal challenge that really caused you to relook at things and and go into this this other world. And if you don't want to talk about that, that's fine. But we we often find that when people are up against a challenge, that's when they are brought back to their most basic selves and they start to rebuild their foundations based on their value
2: system. So is that kind of what happened in your situation? Yeah something like that and I have no problem talking about it at all but um so three coming up to three and a half years ago now I I had a, an experience that is the kind that you just kind of read about <laughs> you know maybe you watch on tv or you think can happen to anybody else out there wherever there is but just never you you know so just a quick background of how it happened I, I woke up one day in the middle of May and I had I woke up and I was fine and then during the day I just had this kind of pounding headache that came out of nowhere you know it was a headache and my neck was hurt and I'm like what is this you know so prior to that I used to get migraines on and off right but never anything this intense so I thought maybe I just slept on the wrong side of the bed maybe that's what it is took a few pills thought it would go away it didn't go away now not only did it bother me for that day that pain persisted every single day for four months Literally, it was crippling pain. And I would stop in the middle of my day and be like, as if I'm having some kind of seizure or something, because it was so bad. I couldn't, I didn't know how to deal with it. And at the time, I hadn't transitioned into working full time for myself yet. I was still side hustling and I had a day job. And I remember I used to go into the toilet literally at least seven, eight times a day. They must have thought this girl must really need to wee a lot, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But it was, every time it hit me, that pain that came out of nowhere, I just couldn't, I needed to go somewhere and just kind of just be like, until it passes. I tried everything. I went to doctors nonstop and they prescribed a million and one pills and then it just didn't help. I tried acupuncture, you know, um, osteopath, and that helped to ease it a bit. And then one day I was on my way driving to work at the time I was working for an air ambulance as a commute in communications. I was driving to work and I was driving on the motorway at high speed. And I just remember not seeing any of the cars as they went past me. I'm going this way. And it was only after they'd gone past me, it was like, what was that? And somehow in this state, I ended up in a car park at work and collapsed. You know, just managed to call the ambulance, call some of my workmates and just collapsed on the floor and just vomiting, all kinds of stuff What happened? Long story short, I wake up in hospital and I was taken um, by hospital to an ambulance. By this time they called my husband and my, and my kids and everything. And they said we found something in your head, but we don't know exactly what it is. So we're gonna take you to a specialist hospital in London, which is uh, much further away from where I was at the time, so they can look into it. And so they took me to hospital, another ambulance took me to hospital in London. And then they gave the verdict that I wasn't expecting, my husband was expecting, and certainly my little kids weren't expecting. They're like, Mildred, we find a brain tumor. You know, you have a brain tumor. And I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) You know, like, are you serious? So, and then it turned out that there was a tumor. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, what's the, I can't remember the, not malignant, the other one. It wasn't a bad one that could kill me, but the size of it and the position of it was located just right where my spine was. That mm-hmm. if it had grown any bigger, it could have stopped me from um, walking that bit for the rest of my life. So they needed to operate immediately. And then in that month, by this time it was September. So this started in May. I collapsed um in September and and in hospital, and then I at the beginning of September I spent the entire month of September 2019 in hospital getting this brain tumor removed and and recovering from it. So it was just kind of your your whole life kind of stops you know when something like that happens. You know I have two little girls they're six and they're six and eight now, but at the time they were four and the one my, my older one was turning four and she was about to start school and we had all these plans you know how I was going to do her hair for her first day at school and how I was gonna what she was gonna wear all of that kind of stuff and I ended up spending that entire month in hospital while my husband tried his best to be mum and dad at the same time so it was a really kind of show-stopping moment in my life and in all our lives that just made me sit and in that time in the hospital I had a lot of time to reflect you know as you would do and it's just kind of made me reflect on what kind of life do I want to live you know what kind of am I doing what I want to do and and the good thing is prior to this stage me and my husband have kind of deliberately tried to build a semi-retired life sort of where we focus on doing the things that we love but this was a real kind of Right now, Mildred, are you doing the things that you love? Are you in a career that you want? Are you in a business that you want? How do you want to look, live? You know, what kind of freedom do you want to have? So all of that came up to the surface in that time that I was in the hospital and recovering. And I realized that there's a lot more that I can do to shape my life in a way that I want it to go. So as soon as I came out of hospital and st- recovered, which took a while, that was the pathway that I started on. And that's when I finally decided to go all in and let go of the side hustling and go full time into my own business. Wow. And that was three years ago? Three years ago. Yeah.
1: You know what I love about this, Mildred? We talk so much about resetting after after you know life hits you with something big like that. And we spend so much time looking at the loss that we never see the game. We're always, you know, we always tend to go to the, it shouldn't be this way. And I was supposed to be doing my daughter's hair and all of that. And you really, I'm so curious to know how you just flipped right away and started looking at where can you go from here? What do you want this new story, the new chapter, unless did you do a few days of a pity party of the, it shouldn't be this way, or did you just go right into, okay, we're switching gears and we're moving forward in the way I want.
2: I would love to tell you I switched gears immediately. <laughs> you know, I am human. <laughs> I am good, human. <laughs> good. I was going to get nervous there. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> so yes, there, there definitely was a point. I think the very first emotion that I felt, funnily enough, was relief. You know, when I found out the diagnosis was because, as I said, I was living with this crippling head pain for months, mm-hmm. literally. So it was a case of, Okay, so that's what was wrong. you know, I knew there was something wrong. and by the way, they had referred me to a neurologist back in um, when it started, but my appointment wasn't until November, which was like almost six months oh down the line, goodness. you know. So I was already on a waiting list to be seen by a specialist, but it's just my body's like, you can't wait that long, you know, because you might die. So let's 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 get this accelerated. So so that was my first emotion was relief. And then after that it was, you ask the questions. I mean, is there anything I did to cause this? I mean, what could I have done different? I mean, why me, (laughs) you know, like, I don't get it. Like, what is this for? And for me, I'm a person of faith, you know, so I, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. So it was like kind of, there's a lot of prayer time in that sense of like trying to figure out what is the meaning of this? I mean, why is this happening to me? Why is it happening and why is it happening to me? What is the purpose? And I think it was from that place that I was eventually able to see the other side of it, to see the gift in the adversity. That okay, yes, this was a really major bad thing that happened, but actually, this is the opportunity that lies ahead of me, following from this thing that happened.
0: You know, it's 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 so interesting, but it's it's a relatively common thing, I think, that we are we're on a path and we're just going because that's where we are. Mm-hmm. and then something happens and it it switches our gears but you you the thing that interests me here is that you not only switched gears in your career but you made it a point to make a career that helps others to switch gears and helps other people to kind of redefine themselves because your work your work now in linkedin is helping people to kind of create that personal brand within this platform and i don't know that people recognize linkedin as that as a general rule i think they see it as oh you know it's business connections but it can be so much more so how did you first of all realize that and then second of all realize the opportunity to educate other people about it
2: yeah absolutely i think my key message um my mantra is start being visible so i specifically work with women um, I I do what I do applies to guys as well, but I specifically work with women to help them to become visible on LinkedIn. And by visible, I mean being seen, heard and remembered, because for yeah. a lot of us as women, especially, we kind of grow up with this whole thing of we're not supposed to be seen. We're supposed to kind of dim our light and just be the good little girl in the corner. And, and, and for a lot of us, a lot of my clients, for sure, and certainly for me, I had a whole period of my life where I was afraid to use my voice. You know, I was a shy kid, you know, so I didn't want to be seen. That's the worst thing you could do is, 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 you know, shine a spotlight in my direction. I wanted to hide. And that kind of went into adulthood as well. So but in the process of it, there's so much contribution I could have made that I didn't because I was afraid to be visible. So in my own journey of going from this place of being free to be myself and discovering who i am and what that brand is and knowing that actually i am a gift to the uh, to other people in the world just like every single one of us are you know that really liberated me to start owning my light and in so doing to help other women to do the same so linkedin is definitely a platform which is it i I like to say to to my to my clients my ladies it's like you can create a stage for yourself on linkedin You know, you can create a platform and become center stage in your own life. And as you do, you attract your people to you if you're in business, you attract your clients. If you're not in business and you just want to attract opportunities, you can do that. But it all starts with you being visible, for with you being seen, heard, and remembered. And LinkedIn is an excellent platform to build your brand in that way that makes it possible. You know, I love this because you're
1: you're you're Teaching women about it's, it's, they're in their own brilliance, right? They are working their brilliance in the world and they can be visible and get over those old stories that all of us women used to tell ourselves about, like you're saying, being in the background, being behind the scenes. And I'm actually, Mildred, I'm watching this unfold with my daughter. I have an 18 year old daughter who's finishing up high school, she's going into college, right? She has grown up with me being on stages and always putting myself at a table and still she's got this thing running in her head of in the background, the only where she comes alive though, and takes the reins is in sports on a Mm -hmm. basketball court, on a soccer field, lacrosse. So at first I was trying to say to her, listen, you know, you need to have your voice heard and you need to speak up. And then I was like, oh my gosh, let's do it through what she's already comfortable with. In the sports realm, you know, talk to a reporter, talk to your team, be the leader and got the coaches involved in helping her be more confident. And and God forbid the word assertive, right, <laughs> getting <laughs> leaning into assertiveness and watching her grow that way. But I, I think that sometimes we want to compartmentalize, like we're going to grow these skills over here. And not over here, but it's really coming from the place of where your brilliance is that this all can come together. That's what I love about the work that you're doing on LinkedIn, because people are already confident and comfortable in their work. Yeah. Now let's amplify that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I have a daughter, too. She's much. I've got two daughters, but they're much younger than yours. My older one dances her thing, you know, but again, she was she, a little kid. I could see she's got introvert tendencies like me. Right. That's my natural place. I'm an, I'm an introvert, but I love being on stage, you know, which is the oxymoron of it. Right. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's just when I'm off stage, don't talk to me. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we are sisters. I swear. We Talk about a kinship. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> but yeah, just like you're saying, Christine, it's like for us, me and my husband, we we started to encourage it in her area of brilliance, which is dance. You know, so the her first show when she was four, she stood on stage and almost cried, like didn't move, stage fright. Fast forward, eight years old, she's winning dance competitions. You know, she's confident now on stage. She's still kind of getting through the whole thing. But in her area of brilliance, she can be visible and she loves it and it's easier. So, yes, it's about all of us owning our area of brilliance and then using a platform like LinkedIn to shine the light, to look at me being brilliant there's no use of you being brilliant at home when no one can see you you're not serving anybody there you know yeah. and you're and, and the world needs you to be to be out there being visible so we can see you we can benefit from it and all our lives can be transformed in the process oh you are speaking our language i mean this is literally what we say about about people's
0: brilliance but the challenge then becomes that people don't always have that vehicle to get that out there and you are providing that. Mm. So, you know, people, first of all, do you find that you have to encourage your clients to recognize their own brilliance? We find that brilliance comes easily to people so they tend to think it's not important.
2: Mm. Yes, it's, it's sometimes it's, and, that, and that's exactly it because it comes easily. Sometimes I have to remind my clients that that which you think is easy for other people is not hard, it's it's quite hard, you know, so that is your area of brilliance, so it's about valuing that thing that we do so naturally well, and, and, and this is a word that a lot of women use, we add the word just at the beginning mm-hmm. of whatever it is, oh I just write, oh I just speak, oh I, no it's not just, it's brilliant, yeah. everyone can't do it like you, you know, so it's that whole thing of recognizing that it's not just something you do. It's actually a skill and a talent that is worthy of something and that can help other people. I love it. You know what? I can't stand what people say. I'm just a mom. Mm. I actually capitalize
1: the word mom when I use it, when I write. And I can't tell how many editors are like, you don't capitalize mom. And I said, I do. <laughs> it's a function it's
2: The function. number audience. one job.
1: <laughs> don't be coming at me with just a mom.
0: so when you talk about um this for LinkedIn do you kind of have a template that you that you sort of steer people along like do this do that or does your work more um speak to the individual pieces that people are comfortable with or is there kind of a way to approach this generically so that somebody who's terrified can go okay first I have to do this then I have to
2: do that yeah, absolutely. So I've I've captured that formula in my book start being visible and I call it the pace formula. In the book it's called the four pillars of LinkedIn Success, but um I've since rebranded it to pace formula, much more catchy. But anyway, so and that and that stands that stands for the pace stands for P is for profile, A is for audience, C is for content, and E is for engagement. Now, if you do all four of these things on LinkedIn and you do it well, you will build a really great personal brand on LinkedIn. So that's your profile, is where you really communicate your message. What do you wanna be known for? How do you wanna be remembered? And that happens on your profile. Audiences having a clear idea of who is my target audience, you know, and where are they on LinkedIn so that you can then communicate to them directly. Content is without content, you're invisible. You know, mm-hmm. so content is your vehicle to be seen, to be heard, to be remembered, and also to serve, you know, and that's how you draw people into what you do. And then lastly, engagement. LinkedIn is really about community. If you don't get that community community piece, you miss like the whole window of what it's about. It's not just a boring business platform for CVs and resumes. It's that community element comes when you start engaging with people, and that's commenting on other people's stuff you know, liking people's stuff. And as you do that, you start to develop relationships and and which could turn into former um, future clients or collaborations, partnerships, whatever else, or just friends. You know, I've got some good friends that I've met on LinkedIn, <laughs> you know, especially during a pandemic, right? When people couldn't really meet in person, LinkedIn really became an avenue for a lot of people to connect, build community, build relationships and build friendships as well. That's exactly what I was just thinking. I,
1: my LinkedIn, I was already getting pretty savvy on it before COVID. And then because out in the speaking world and stuff, and then I was like, man, I was just harnessing the power of that thing. And now we can't be in person because I was using it to start the conversations. Then, oh my goodness. And everybody was on it. And then that whole relationship building through that platform. And then, <laughs> then I was trying to keep up with all the messages. I'm like, oh my gosh, we've gotten <laughs> way too good at this. But, and so now it's the opposite. Now I'm going out in person and people are like, that's from LinkedIn, you know, like (laughs) you're real humans. But it has become, I mean, Mary Fran and I are are making, building relationships there for this whole, the the ERG groups that that are out there in the world and, and connecting with them. And then I serve the blind community and I'm looking for partnerships and collaborators for that community. And LinkedIn is my, my go-to spot because that's where you see right away like you said with the content that people put out there mm. you know if values align you know if missions align um it's really it's really a uh it's really an incredible tool
2: definitely definitely agree and it's a much underused tool as well by a lot of people and if you look at facebook and instagram and they're pretty saturated in terms of there's so many people out there, but LinkedIn has less users and less active users. So if you want to start being visible and build your brand, today is the day to start doing that before it gets to the stage where it's like, there's so many people doing it. You're not going to be noticed quite as easily anymore. So yeah, get on board today for sure. <laughs> well, and,
0: and we found found uh, Kristen actually had, had told me about uh, something that they just rolled out with their newsletters. They are Actively LinkedIn is actively um, creating platforms and creating vehicles, I should say, for people to get involved, maybe in ways that they would be more comfortable in ways that they can regularly then reach out to their people. And, you know, sometimes you get involved in these things and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's just something else and I don't know when and blah, blah, blah. But I think they're making it easier for you to to create content, schedule things. And as you said, and Kristen said a few minutes ago, you end up finding the people that your value system Mm. is complementary to. And that's so important, building relationships.
2: Yes, definitely. It really is. LinkedIn are making... In fact, it was only about a year or so ago that they really introduced like creator managers and all sorts. So as a LinkedIn influence, I still say it in speech marks because influence has got like you know, <laughs> like TikTok, you know, inclinations. <laughs> but as an official LinkedIn top voice influencer, I have a creator manager um who is part of the LinkedIn in-house team so we meet on a fairly regular basis with a group of other creators and they let us in on the plans that they have for the platform and they are really keen to encourage more people to become creators on on, on LinkedIn because they're, they're almost playing catch up in a way to all the other platforms who are far ahead when it comes to creators and how they use the platform. LinkedIn has only in the last few years realised that Okay, we want to attract more people to use this as a community space, not just a formal stuffy job site that people think it is, they think that it is. So yeah, it's evolved a whole lot. It's a great time to get involved on in a platform for sure. But I'll tell you what, I think the the
1: big bonus to that is that they were known for so long as you are professional on here, you put out like, you know, what is your CV? It's so professional. So the credibility there is huge. So now as I see them, and I don't know if they did this on purpose, establish that mega professional credibility. Now they're going to start catching up with some of these, you know, between the newsletter and the video and all that. Mm -hmm. I just feel like it is, it is, it's a perfect time now because everybody's got that, that element of professionalism, but now using the other stuff that the other platforms are using to spread it far and wide. I don't know if they did it that way on purpose. I'll just act like they did. And they're brilliant. (laughs)
2: That's a winged love. (laughs) 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 But yeah, probably something to do with Microsoft buying them out a few years. I think that helped them to kind of get modern in some ways. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Now I have to say that that the
0: whole idea that Christian just that point that she made of the of the professionalism, that really spoke to me because I am of a certain generation. I'll just say I'm a little older than you two. I'm just going to put it that way. But, um, you know, some of the casualness of the other environments didn't speak to me the way this place did, the way LinkedIn does. Okay, this is who I am. This is who I want to get across. But I do have a creative side. So to be able to now utilize that and make that part of that whole persona Um, And I'm saying make it part of the persona, but it really comes out to showing who you really are Mm. and to have the opportunity to do that. And I think for women, this is a great opportunity because many of us are creative and many of us have that emotional piece that prior to maybe this point in time with LinkedIn, we were afraid to show, but now they're making it, they're almost encouraging it. Show who you really are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And when I when I work with my clients, that's one of the areas I always say to them that if you're going to build a personal brand, you can't avoid the personal, you know, it's mm. you really cannot. So you can put out the professional stuff and all day or, you know, all night if you want to. But people more and more want to get to know the person behind the professional content. They want to get to know the person behind the brand. So really add in personal content you know, is a really good way to build that, you know, the whole point of social selling, right, is you build this know me, like me, trust me factor, you know, so when you add that personal content, people are getting to know you. They're not just knowing you on a professional level of this is what you do, they're not knowing what you like, you know, they're not knowing your interests. So what I remember when I first shared about my brain um, tumour story on LinkedIn, it took me probably about eight months post recovery before I felt okay to share it publicly you know, but there's been a lot of people who have been on that journey with me. So I've talked about it maybe twice a year, I talk about the thing during the anniversary and then when I have my checkup with my neurologist, which is every every year. So I talk about that thing and I've built a community of people who are genuinely interested, you know, in my life (laughs) as well as in the work that I do. I have friends that I've built online you know, based on that, because it's they know me as Mildred, who shares LinkedIn stuff that helps them, but they also know a bit about my life, you know, as in this is what Mildred's been through. And, you know, this is like kind of my journey sort of thing, just as I know theirs. So that helps to strengthen the bond and build trust when people know you beyond just that professional level. So that personal piece is really key to building a personal brand on LinkedIn. Oh my goodness. I love this. And I'm I'm like holding myself back from really nerding
1: out into LinkedIn <laughs> and, and keeping this brilliantly resilient. But let's uh, let's let everybody know where the, the title of the book again and and how to get to you on LinkedIn and anywhere else that we can connect with you to learn more about because I want our listeners to really reach out and learn about sharing their brilliance with the world.
2: Yeah, sure. So my book is called Start Being Visible. So it's a mandate. It's an order. Start today. (laughs) Wear it now. (laughs) Yes, that's it. Start Being Visible. You can find it on Amazon. or You can also find it on my website, startbeingvisible.com. And in terms of how to connect with me, of course, you can find me on LinkedIn. And I also created a test that helps you discover how visible you are on LinkedIn. So you can a self-assessment that you can take that answers a few questions and it gives you a score and it gives you ways to improve. So you can find that at startbeinvisible.com forward slash score and that will give you your score. Startbeinvisible.com forward slash score. Awesome. This has been
0: such an amazing conversation. So enlightening and actually so validating for those of us who have, as Kristen said, dipped our foot into that or toe into that platform and now really have an opportunity to, to build that personal brand and move our businesses forward and, and let people get to know us and build community. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I have a feeling we're going to have you back again because I want to hear more. Mm. Um, and as, as, Mildred said, please go to startbeingvisible.com and you can get all the information on her.
2: Thank you you so much, Mildred.
1: Thanks, everybody, for for tuning in and listening. Go share your brilliance with the world. It is a mandate. You heard it from Mildred. You must go do it now. And if you're looking for more resources to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance, go to the website, brilliantlyresilient.net. Sign up to get the brilliance bit delivered right to your inbox every week. A less than one minute read that will keep you living brilliantly resilient. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the
0: Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired
2: with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.